Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 240, and it is titled How Chronic Illness Affects Relationships and How to Fix It. So we're going to be talking a lot about people living in chronic pain, and there's a reason why, which we'll explain in a moment. But I don't don't want you to view this episode as only from the perspective of someone experiencing chronic pain, because this really has to do with any sort of a long-term chronic illness that can potentially affect your relationship. So you know, the viewers and listeners to this show obviously know that I dealt with this with Celine, which is why she is no longer here. So I do have personal experience with this, as does my co-host today, who I will introduce in a moment, who also has personal experience with this and who helps coach people through this. Now, you know, this is something that affects far more people than uh, I think most people realize. And so, you know, one of the things I always try to do on this show is do topics that, you know, appeal to a large number of people. And so I try to stay away from things that are really super niche down, like things that are really like, wow, there's only a handful of people who, who have to deal with that specific thing. Because I'm trying to just, you know, help as many people as possible. Um, But, like I said, this affects way more people than you realize, and and it it can be a lot of different health conditions, and unfortunately, you know, we have seen massive increases in the last couple of years. There are some specific reasons for that, which we will not go into in this show, but, you know, when we see things like 400% increases in excess mortality, we know that something is happening, and so I have a feeling that this topic is going to be affecting more and more people as time goes on. And therefore, it's going to be more and more important for people to figure out ways to manage it and to still have healthy, amazing, beautiful relationships while they are going through these things. For some people, it may be a short period of time. For other people, it may be the rest of their lives, and they're going to need to know how to handle it. So that's going to be today's show. I think it's going to be really interesting, and I think it's going to help prepare people for something that could very well be the most challenging thing they've ever experienced in their life. But before we get there, a short uh, message from our first sponsor, which of course is me. (laughs) Do you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed? Then check out Power and Mastery. It's the most complete sexual mastery training for men. Whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. As you know, this is the men's sexual mastery course that Celine and I created, and it is truly life-transforming. I mentioned this last week on the show when I did this ad, but I actually got, I mean, I get, you know, feedback and response from people all the time in regards to this course, but the most recent one I got was from a guy who said he was dependent on Viagra for a decade, and after taking this course, he no longer needs it. I mean, if there's a better testimonial out there, I don't know what it is. So powerandmastery.com, go check it out. And of course, 
that's not the only thing it will teach you. There's tons and tons of other stuff in there. Okay, so as you might know, because I've already sort of mentioned it, and if you're watching the video on YouTube, you see her sitting here next to me. I have a special guest host with me today, Emily, who is going to help us dig into this topic. So Emily, first of all, say hello to everybody and tell them about yourself. Hello, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. Um, my name's Emily Schals, and I am a... Um, coach that works with uh, women primarily who have invisible illness. And that's, we'll, as we'll get into, pretty much anything that's a chronic condition, whether it be physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. Um, but I've had a long and varied <laughs> career path. I started off as an attorney myself before my own health crashed. Um, and then really for the first time ever got into natural health, things like that. And so, um, went on to become a professional actress. I started my own energy bar company. Um, and now I'm the executive director of a wellness center here in Southern California. So I'm kind of got the nine lives of careers going. Um, but my heart is, uh, with coaching because it's affected my life so personally. Um, and so I know that if I can, if my experience can help someone else feel better, um, in any way, then it was worth it. All right. Yeah. That's, that, that's quite an interesting life you've had so mm -hmm. far. There's, there's <laughs> multiple iterations of you apparently. I'm like Madonna. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Keep reinventing yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I know a little something about that too. <laughs> well, and chronic illness actually plays a part into that. If you are in chronic pain or have an illness that doesn't allow you to fit into the kind of the pre-molded capitalist, like 40 hour work week, you have to get creative as how do you provide for yourself and take care of yourself if your body doesn't allow you to necessarily do what most other people are doing to make money. Yeah. Well, first of all, the 40 hour work week died a long time ago. It's more like the 50 80. to 60 yeah, to exactly. 80 hour work week <laughs> these days. But I would also say that, you know, some of the things that we'll talk about, some of the strategies and things, even if you're not suffering from chronic illness and you are in one of those, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 hour, like this will help you also. Absolutely. So that's important. So we want to start with just a few statistics. And the statistics here are really focused around chronic pain because that's more of your expertise. Um, but we could have made a massive list of other statistics oh, if we wanted to incorporate other types of illnesses. But just, just this is just to sort of give you the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, right? So the first one is the CDC estimates that 20% of all Americans experience chronic pain. So for this one condition alone, yes. chronic pain, up to 20% of the population suffers from it. Yeah, that's 50 million people. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the point here is, is that, you know, again, talking about the idea of this affects a lot of people. I mean, 20% of the people are affected just by this one thing alone. Now you throw in people who uh, maybe have disabilities due to uh, numerous different things, all the people who are going through cancer journeys or, you know, any of that stuff. Like you realize there are a lot, a lot, a lot of people and a lot of couples who are struggling with how do I manage this yes. and still have a relationship? Absolutely. So... But why don't you read the next one on the list here? Oh, yes. Women are more likely to experience chronic pain. Um, the 
technical percentage is 38% opposed to 30% of men. But I've heard statistics, especially for fibromyalgia, which is a chronic pain condition of up to 80 even 90% are women. Um, and they haven't been able to figure out why I have my own personal theories, of course, <laughs> but, um, it's it, when I got into coaching and I thought about who is my audience, um, I thought of chronic pain, but then I came on the term invisible illness because I felt like that encapsulated more of people who have not only chronic mental conditions, things like that, but it's for those people who we quote unquote look normal. So no, people treat us exactly how they treat everyone else, not realizing they're in pain every single, possibly every moment of every single day, but yet they look like there's nothing going on. Yeah. You know, we don't really have time to cover in this show, but I would love maybe when this show is over, I'm very curious to hear your personal idea as to why that is. And, and one of the reasons I bring that up is because, you know, as somebody that has lost a partner, I'm now meeting and talking to a lot of other people that have lost partners. The majority of them are men yeah. who have lost their wives. And it's not just because I'm a man. That's just like a lot of people reaching out to me that they're also men. And it's just interesting. There is definitely something going on in our society that is targeting women. And I think there's multiple somethings going on yes. in society that are targeting women. So. Yes. Curious to hear your theories on that, but that is not for this show. That Next that's time. a whole other rabbit hole. <laughs> All right, let's. See. I might sneak it in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can drop hints. That's fine. That's fine. I love to drop little truth bombs in this show. Yes. All right. Last statistic: more than eight in ten patients in chronic pain experience severe depression. Absolutely. And you know, I would say again, this goes for any sort of long-term chronic condition. I mean, even going through the journey with Celine, like a huge part of my job, aside from the day-to-day -day stuff, was just trying to keep her positive and motivated because it wears on Absolutely. you. And it's like, if you think about it, really, anything else that's going on in your life, like let's say you have a bad day at your job, like your, your boss was giving you a bunch of shit and, you know, you come home and then, you know, a lot of people tend to take that out on their families, right? Mm -hmm. They don't mean to necessarily, but they do. And so you realize that, you know, when you, when you, when your mental state, when your emotional state is not in a good place, it's really hard to then show up in your relationship the way that you want to show up and Absolutely. the way that you need to show up. And it's hard to, yeah, to, to nurture that relationship and, and really have it. So, it's important to understand that when people are going through these journeys, that they are often experiencing things like depression. Absolutely. And it's not just, I mean, obviously, if, you, if you've been in pain for 5, 10, 20 years, in, in some cases, of course, <laughs> I mean, it, it's almost logical that you, there would be some depression there. But there's also the physiological and biological reasons that link those two. So if your, say your gut biome is, is completely off and that's what's causing the physical pain, guess what? That also is going to cause depression. And so it's, they, they go hand in hand. Um, but there have been clients of mine and me myself who have at times almost wished that we had a more acute 
almost more dangerous illness, so to say, just so that it would be over or that it would be something that we could pinpoint and say, oh, that's it. Okay, so now we have a protocol that we can go down instead of just, oh, I literally had a doctor when I was 25 tell me you're going to be in pain the rest of your life. Get used to it. What do you do with that? Like, that's not helpful. <laughs> what, what, you, what you do with it is you throw it out the window because exactly. a lot of these doctors have no idea what they're talking about. When a doctor tells you anything, like, so, you know, I don't, I don't want to rip on doctors because there are some really great doctors there out are. there. But you have to understand that the doctor can only give you an opinion based on their limited knowledge and experience. Yes. And so when it comes to something like this, all they can tell you is, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to help you. And therefore, you're just going to suffer with this for the rest of your exactly. life, according to them. That doesn't mean that you can't find somebody else or some other protocol or do you find your own thing that could potentially help you. Absolutely. But, you know, I mean, there are so many stories out there about doctors like, you have six months to live. And the person like 10 years later says, oh, yeah. yes, <laughs> 10, years, <laughs> 10 years later, doc, I, I think you were a little wrong on that one, right? Absolutely. So it's, it, they tell you these things based on their limited knowledge yes. and perspective. And although some of them like to pretend they know everything, they really don't. No. All right, so those are just a few stats to sort of give you an idea of how prevalent this is and, and how, you know, so one, how many people are potentially dealing with something like this, and two, like we talked about with the depression, how it leaves the realm of just the physical thing Absolutely. and starts to get into the mental thing. So I think you probably have a pretty good idea at this point, at least, uh, how pervasive it is and yes. how serious it is and how difficult it can be. So, okay, how to deal with it if you're already in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And that, that's probably going to be the, the main crux of the conversation sure. today is like, because this isn't always true, but most, most of the time when people get together, they're, they're not dealing with something, mm -hmm. you know, really difficult and big like this. And then as time goes by, things happen. Right. Now... If, let's say you got married, right? Mm -hmm. If when you got married, you did those sort of traditional vows and you did this, you know, till death do us part in sickness and in health and oh, all I that did. kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Unfortunately, in today's society, we don't, like, people say that. They, they go through those vows, but as soon as stuff gets hard, yep. one or the other cuts and runs, right? Yep. And so, hmm, did they really mean that? I strongly suggest you don't say those vows or take them unless you really mean them. And then at some point when this happens, like this is when the rubber hits the road, right? Like this is when you really have to step up right. and, and live up to the vows. The vows yes. right? <laughs> so, so I think that's how it happens a lot of times. People get together, they're young or healthy or whatever, and, and then life goes on and things change, right? So now they're in a situation where they're in a relationship with someone they've been with for, you know, at least a significant amount of time. Right. They've developed uh, depth. Maybe they're married. Maybe they have kids. Maybe they have businesses together. And then something happens to one person. How do you deal with it? Right. How do you deal with it without creating a field of resentment or bitterness around the situation, that's the big thing because people can grit their teeth and get through, you know, 50 years of marriage, but are they miserable? Are they happy? Are they actually helping their partner or are they sitting there blaming them for 
what's not going on with their own life because their partner's sick. So there are a lot of, that's, it's not necessarily even actions. It's the intention and the energy behind the action that makes such a difference, which I know, you know, it's what you talk about (laughs) every, (laughs) every episode. (laughs) So, but specifically in this dynamic to be able to assure your partner that you're going to be there for them in a loving way, no matter what happens, someone who is dealing with a chronic illness and especially doesn't know what it is, doesn't know how to, doesn't know if they're going to have it for the rest of their life. They are used to people leaving of hitting their, their, their threshold and saying, I can't deal with this anymore to be able to actually say, like you just said, I'm not going anywhere in and of itself can (laughs) relax their nervous system, their body, everything, Mm -hmm. because now suddenly the biggest fear, which is usually behind, I'm going to be in pain the rest of my life. Their biggest fear is I'm going to be alone and in pain the rest of my life. And so to take that out of the equation is, is medicine in and of itself. Yeah. And that, that is a very valid fear, right? Um, And that's, you know, from, from day one, when we got the diagnosis, it was the first thing I said to her is we're in this together. Yeah. So you have to do that. So that was step one, assure your partner that uh, you are there for them and that you will be there for them. So what, what comes after that? What do we do next? Well, really develop together, developing a strategy for how that you, how you're going to deal with it. And this your life is going to change if your partner either you know already has an illness or has contracted an illness your life you have to accept that the fact that it's going to change the relationship dynamic and like i said before you can either go into resentment or bitterness over that or you can say hey something changed and so now what how am i going to live my life from this moment on instead of going back constantly to oh it was so much better before it was so much better because it's in the past there's you can't either you have no access to it anymore so that is true whether you whether you want it or not exactly. right and you know the t- the tendency so much in today's society is the grass is always greener on the other side like hey, everything was great and it was awesome, but now that it's not great, I want to just bail and go find great again, yes. right? But that's just not the way life works. No. And if, you, if you're if you doing that, then you're constantly in a, a breadth versus depth situation where if you can, the jewels and the, the gifts of going deep with someone through dark times, through hard times, through the worst of times it builds such a resilience in your, in your partnership. They, you know, I mean, they're, they've done studies of couples who have lost children and it's pretty black. It's pretty 50, 50. It either destroys the the relationship or it makes it stronger and a chronic illness can do the same thing. And so it's really just a decision you as the partner who maybe doesn't have the chronic illness needs to make. Like, am I going to stay and dig in and really be here for this person and accept all the beauty and the gifts that this relationship and this situation have for me and for us, or am I going to go look somewhere else? But you're going to take yourself with you. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Wherever you go, there you are. Exactly. famous uh, (laughs) book by John Kabat-Zinn. 
And we'll talk, we'll, we'll get to a few more ideas towards the end of this list here to help you deal with that. But the main point that you're making there is um, life has changed and you're going to have to accept it. it, right? And, and there are ways, especially if you think outside the box, to have whatever me- needs that are not being met met that don't mean you have to break up or move on or disappear or whatever it is that, that you do, which, yes. which we'll get to. Absolutely. All right. So next one on the list, this one is uh, something that Selena and I definitely talked about quite, quite a bit as well, which is bringing additional resources to help you manage both the condition and the day-to-day tasks. Yes. This is huge. Because there are so many resources out there for people with chronic pain, whether it's, you know, a, a pillow for different positions during sex, whether it's um, having someone come in and help out with some household chores or switching up, you know, routines with regard to that. There are so many different resources if you really get creative that necessarily don't even cost money. But it what it does is it sends a message to your partner who is suffering with chronic illness that they are worth you getting creative and you changing up your routine and you doing things that you might normally not do. They're worth that. And I think, you know, going into the whole, the depth of why women um, maybe suffer for this more is that those deep underlying feelings of unworthiness that we have, and I mean, everyone has those, but it's a human condition, but, um, to be able to say, Hey, let's switch it up and make it, a f- make it fun. Like, how do we get creative with this so that it's not a chore, that it's not you watching your partner, like suffer through all of these changes. Again, it's what is the energy and the intention that you're doing these things with that is going to send the message to the partner that you're worth it. I'm happy to to do this, we're gonna we're, I'm, we're in this together, mm-hmm. and we're gonna make this fun. I like that idea of of letting them know through that type of action that they're worth it. That that's something actually I, I wasn't necessarily even thinking about when when reading that. I was thinking a little bit more practically yeah. in in my mind about like because you know especially and it depends how much care the person really needs. Yes. You know, like how functional are they in the in the day to day and. And with Selena and I, in the last two months, she was not very functional at all. And so it required a lot from me. And so that's when the discussion started coming in about how do we get some help? Because how do you, how do I run two businesses, take care of her, make all the meals, take care of the house? Like, how do you possibly, there aren't enough hours in the day to do all that. So you got to, you got to come up with strategies. You got to figure out ways to make things easier. Yeah. And there's such a range, like you just said, which is why I don't necessarily in this conversation go into so many examples because so many lives are different. I will say meal delivery services, I'm the biggest proponent of. If you can find one that works, whether it's, you know, you preparing some ingredients that they send or them sending you pre-made stuff to take the shopping, cooking, cleaning, out of the equation can be such a gift, especially if it's, you know, an organic, really healthy meal service, because now suddenly you don't have to worry about, oh my God, you know, my naturopath told me I need to get this, 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 and this into my diet somehow. And I'm already at my limit. And so now I just, I go in and order. 
yeah. and you've got to buy food anyway. So like there are ones that are affordable, yeah. but um, it's it's a huge thing, especially if you have a, a partner who works outside of the house, who mm-hmm. doesn't want to have to come home from a job and then go into go into meal prep for yeah. that. Um, if you're having a bad day to have things that are already pre-made is a godsend. Yeah, that's a great idea. There are quite a few services. We, we never did that. I, I made all of the meals, but what we did do... You know, Celine loved to cook mm-hmm. and she loved to go shopping for groceries. Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, grocery shopping is such a chore. But she wanted to be able to select everything because yes. she was into cooking and like the ingredients were important to her. So she, she was really sad that towards the end she couldn't actually physically do it. So we found a service where you go online and you still get to choose everything that you want. Yep. And... Um, they actually, you have a physical shopper in the store who's communicating with you in real time while they're picking things and asking you questions. Do you want this instead of this or this or that? And so we did that for, for months in order to, because I, I was like, I simply don't have time. Like, yeah. when am I going to get to the store? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and it's the perfect example of working around what you what you want out of this. Like, I'm I've never wanted to cook. I I'm, it's just <laughs> never been something I've been into. But if Celine was, then to find that service as opposed to a meal delivery service, creative, wonderful, and it got the job done. Yes. All right. Next one on the list. Make sure the intimacy is still a priority. Okay. One of the things that we would always hear from people not dealing with these types of things is how hard it is to find the time, right, to do all of this stuff. And yet we would always say, okay, look, you know, that's, that's really, that's an excuse. Right? Absolutely. Like you just, you need to make time for it. And um, so I can only imagine if regular people who aren't dealing with something like this are having problems. Yes. Like what's going on for somebody that is dealing with this? So yeah, maybe, I mean, do you have any, I have a few things that, that, you know, we did to share, but I'm wondering if you have something you could share. Yeah. I mean, again, it's really based in communicating with your partner and seeing what their experience is from a day to day basis so that you can, find solutions that work for them specifically. For example, I still have chronic pain and my pain gets worse as the day goes on. So, uh, like Nicki Minaj, I am a huge fan of morning sex or Cardi B, sorry. (laughs) And so because I feel good, then I feel like I can be at my physical best um, whatever that is, as opposed to, you know, a lot of times we, society's kind of programmed us of like, you know, sexy time is at night. And it's like, at night, I'm in pain, I'm exhausted. I'm, it's usually not the time for me that I'm really feeling like I want to be intimate with someone. And I've had partners that they don't really get that. They, and it's so ingrained of, well, no, you know, I'm going to take you out for dinner and then we're going to have sex. And it's like, well, if you could break out of that pattern and realize that like morning would be awesome for me and then I'm going to be in such a better mood and it's going to be such a better experience. That's one example. Um, You know, again, noting that if someone has limited energy, an intimate time, that might be like a 
big, that might be like their only big activity of the day, you know? So maybe having it on a weekend or something where they don't have to worry about kids or, or, um, work or something like that. Um, it's, again, it's hard to find a, a blanket statement since people deal with so many different conditions. Um, but it is more about asking questions and just being curious as to, you know, what would work for you? What would work best for you? Let me, let me try that. Yeah. So number one, of course, is you have to make it a priority. Absolutely. And and this is true whether you're dealing with, you know, a, a chronic illness or not, or you just have to make intimacy a priority. But I love the piece that you share too. And this is, this is definitely one of the things that, that we were making sure, you know, later on, on the journey is exactly what you said, which is, you have time, you have energy, like now, right? Exactly. And, and honestly, I recommend that for people that are not dealing with chronic uh, illnesses as well, because so many of our clients would say stuff like, well, I want it to be spontaneous and, you know, I want it to be this and I want it to be that. And they, they put all these parameters around how it has to be. And, and then you sit there and go, okay, so how's that working out for you? Exactly. How, how many times have you actually had sex? We don't right. live in rom-coms, like as much as we want to, <laughs> it's not, that's not real <laughs> all the time. And so to, and especially when you're dealing with a condition that affects your mental health or can, you know, through depression or anxiety, it, getting those good chemicals in your brain, the oxytocin, like all the things that being intimate can create, it's, I would argue it's more important for people who are chronically ill to, to have intimacy. And what I love about what you guys have taught is the not having a finish line, not having an idea of an expectation of where this has to go, that this has to end in intercourse or this has to end in yes. orgasm or this has to end in mutual orgasm at the same exact time where we're gazing, <laughs> gazing into each other's eyes, like just having 30 minutes of whatever feels good. That's enough. Yes. So you beat me to it because that was, no, that's great. I love that you, that you, that you brought that in, but that is one of the things that I was going to bring up is first of all, make it a priority. Um, second, make sure you take advantage of the moments when you do have the energy and the time. Right. And then the third one is to not have expectations about how it has to be or how it has to look or what it has to end up in. Yes. Right. Just, appreciate it for what it is in that moment. And sometimes it will be that amazing, lovemaking, multi-orgasmic experience. And other times it will be, hey, at least we connected. A foot rub. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we connected. We, we embraced each other. We cuddled. We did a foot rub. We maybe touched some genitals a little something. bit or something. But we, we interacted in that way to keep the intimacy alive and going. And it's so important when you're dealing with something like an invisible or chronic illness that you've got to stoke that fire from time to time. Otherwise, it will go out. Absolutely. And what you've said in previous podcasts of people who don't have chronic illness completely and even more so relates here of that warm-up time that's stoking that fire because you have to realize that if someone's in chronic pain, their pain signals and pleasure signals are offline, so to speak. There, There's something wrong there. And so to know that it probably will take a little longer to get someone fire stoked than it normally would and be okay with that. 
And not because again, that's one more reason that someone with chronic pain would be like, I'm mal- I know I'm, I'm bad. I'm not worthy of this. I'm, I'm broken. If you can be patient with someone and say, Hey, we got all night. Like we're not turning on Netflix tonight. So we've got three hours <laughs> and we're going to take three hours, you know, to just do whatever. Again, we'll just cause the, the nervous system, which is, you know, the root cause of a lot of these issues to calm down enough that they can rise to the occasion in whatever way that means. Yeah. Super, super important. I I will also suggest that, again, even if you're not dealing with a chronic illness, that you turn off Netflix and you, and you take three hours. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's one of the keys to having a great sex life. And this, uh, uh, you know, again, I mean, I think we could, we could preface every statement with this doesn't have to be necessarily with chronic pain, but it's for everyone. But especially with chronic pain, especially if the, the woman is in the partnership, the one with chronic pain, Knowing that there could be some emotions that we have to get through in order to get to that place where there's openness, um, that there could be, you know, anger of, I just want to sit and watch TV. I just, I gotten, I've gotten no other energy for anything else. Um, that that might be a layer that you have to allow to bubble up and dissipate before something else can happen instead of saying, oh, well, you know, you you turn me down, I'm leaving, I'm mad, you know? Well, so this is something we talk about on the show all the time about the the difference in time that it takes for, you know, like men to see some visual stimulation (laughs) and they're like, I I got an erection, let's go, right? And women are like, ah, no, I'm nowhere near, right? So imagine that difference, right? And now you're dealing with some sort of chronic illness times that by 10 or 100, right? You know, and and realize that you got to just slow it down that that much more. Okay. Next, assume it will take someone with chronic... Oh, we just talked about that. Yes. More time and attention to relax. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's... I mean, it's key because if you walk around all day feeling like you are different and you are not as good as other people because your body is having these reactions, you're going to take that home with you. You can't... And so it's, it's anything that your partner can do to just assure you... I'm here for you. I'm here for you specifically with whatever issues you've got. We're going to make it work because I'm with you. Yeah. All right. Next on the list is use props, toys, etc. So this is what I was talking about earlier where finding other ways to get your needs met, yes. right? So if your partner maybe is not capable of participating in the intimacy the way they used to be able to, what are other ways that you can get those needs met? So maybe you can use some toys. Yep. Uh, maybe you can use some props. Depending on how open you are in your relationship, you might even be able to bring in other people to help that, whether with the two of you or getting your needs met elsewhere on the side. Just be careful with that because one thing I do know is that when somebody is dealing with a chronic illness, they feel very vulnerable. Yes. So, you know, even, even in a regular situation, people tend to feel a bit vulnerable and, and like, ooh, you know, uh, I'm going to let him have a date or have her, 
let her have a date, you know, outside, like there's some kind of jealousy and that kind of stuff that can happen normally. Absolutely. Which, you know, people in the poly world and the open relationship world spend a lot of time and energy just dealing with that. And they're not dealing necessarily with any sort of chronic illness. But when the chronic illness part is factored in, then you realize that they feel even more vulnerable. Is that what you were saying before about what if they leave, right? What if I'm alone and in this situation, right? So you have to tread lightly on that one. But, But know that in the right relationship with the right communication and the right reassurance that that is something that you could possibly do. Like if your partner is basically no longer able to have sex with you, right? And and he or she knows that you have this need because you're still a human, right? Then they may be willing to allow other ways for you to get that need met. Absolutely. The biggest thing is is to really just go within and try and get your ego out of it. Whatever is being asked, like, you know, I've had partners that were so against using toys because they thought it's somehow you know, implicated them that they weren't man enough, they weren't you know, enough. and it's like, no, dude, I just, <laughs> like, <laughs> I need help getting there. It would be, you know, um, it, really getting any resentment and bitterness out of the equation and really focusing on your love for that person instead of maybe, you know, any like hurt that might be personally affecting you, focusing more on their, them and their needs and your love for them in, you know, a non-codependent way, of course, but, <laughs> but <laughs> Ooh, there's a key right there. That's a whole a other podcast. Way. <laughs> it's like five podcasts, but, <laughs> but it's, yeah, I think I've made my point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I will just sum that part up with just be open to new ideas, yes. new ways to potentially get your needs met because if you don't, then there's a tendency for resentment, which is you mentioned earlier, to build up. It's like, wow, I'm putting all this time and energy in, all this work to help. I mean, I love this person and I'm doing all of this stuff. And yet at the same time, my needs aren't being met, yes. right? The only way, especially if it's going to be a long-term thing, you know, if it's, you know, short-term, few months, a year, two years, whatever, you can kind of suck it up and get sure. through it, right? But if you realize this is going to be a longer-term <laughs> thing you got to take care of yourself too, because Absolutely. eventually you'll burn out and you won't be able to care for the other person. And Absolutely. So you, you need to figure out ways that you can get your needs met in a way that doesn't harm the relationship. If you can do that, it will likely actually help the relationship. Oh my God, without question. Okay. So before we go on to the next bit, we need to take a short break for our second sponsor, which is me again. <laughs> Are you a couple? Are your relationship and sex life where you want them to be? Are there changes you would like to make but just don't know how? Maybe you think there is nothing that can be done. I challenge you to make 2023 the year that changes. If you're not 100% happy with where your relationship or sex life is, then get help today and change your life. Go to celineremy.com forward slash sex dash coaching dash couples. I know that's a mouthful. I did not create a shortened <laughs> link. Link is in the description. Don't worry. All you got to do is go there and click on it. When you do that, you can schedule a strategy call with me to figure out how I can help you get your relationship, love life, sex life back on track. That is CelineRemy.com forward slash sex dash coaching dash couples. Link is in the description. All right. So We've covered 
some statistics. We've kind of laid out the scope of the problem. Now we talked about if you're in a relationship, how do you deal with it? The next thing is, let's say you're not in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Just because you have a particular condition doesn't mean that you have to be single for the rest of your life. And in fact, it would probably be a whole lot better and easier for you, not just because somebody can help you, but because of the physical intimacy and the way that that will help you mentally, emotionally, and potentially physically as well, to be in a relationship with somebody. So then the question comes up, well, how do you date when you have a chronic illness like this? I'm so happy you asked since I'm currently in that situation. (laughs) I feel like I have very good real world experience with that. Um, For me and for many of my clients, that is the situation because uh, chronic pain can be isolating and you can self-isolate and realizing that I don't have to be 100% healthy in order to add value to a relationship. I don't have to wait until I'm healed to begin looking for a partner. Um, that in of itself is a block that a lot of people need to get over. Um, but then when you're on a date, is that something you bring up on the first date? Is that something you wait until you've made a connection with someone? For me, I'm, and this is just my own personality, I'm pretty much an open book. And so I will say little things in the beginning letting people know because I don't want to go down a path with someone who might not be able to handle it and have us both connect and develop feelings for another one another. And then suddenly the whole situation is apparent and that person can't handle it. Um, I'm much more of a be honest, but I don't think you necessarily have to give a, you know, a huge (laughs) explanation of your entire health history on the first date, because I think that's really off-putting. And you're also, you're not there yet. I think it's a time to really listen to your intuition, really listen, like, do you have compatibility otherwise? Is there, do you have things that are in common? Do you want the same things in life? You know, if someone is truly wanting like a triathlon buddy, yeah, I, I, (laughs) you're probably going to want to (laughs) swipe left on that one. (laughs) You have to be honest with yourself there. Cause especially here in Southern California, you know, on dating apps, there are a lot of men who are, it's like, it's all action shots. It's all like mountain climbing and hiking and all of this stuff. And you have to be realistic with yourself that if they, if that's what they're looking for a partner to do those things with, and you're not able to do those things, save yourself the trouble and look for someone who, whose lifestyle yours can mesh with easily. Of course, chronic illness or not, you need to look for somebody whose lifestyle will mesh with yours. Even more important in this one. And I would say, I agree with you. You don't have to go into like a whole health history in the beginning, But it is something important because it is a major part of your life. And so I do think it would be a good idea to bring it up in the first date. Absolutely. But all you really have to say is, hey, here's here's something that, you know, is part of my life that I have to deal with. And here's basically what I can and can't do. And like, you don't have to go into a whole list, but like, you know, you could just kind of broadly say, hey, you know. I've been dealing with chronic pain since I was 25. I have my protocols for managing Mm -hmm. it. And my life kind of looks like this. Like, I'm okay doing this and this. 
but probably spending three days on a mountain climbing, you know, expeditions, probably not going to work for me. Exactly. Right. So you don't have to go into a lot of deep details. No. Give them the whole story, but at least give them an idea of like, hey, if we did date, what would life look like? Exactly. Like, for example, a previous partner of mine was very much into mountain biking, would go for like 30, 35 mile mountain biking rides. But he actually didn't want anyone to come with him. That was his like alone spiritual time. So it actually worked out perfectly. He would go on those. I would be at home and then he would come over and we'd have dinner and watch a movie and he'd, you know, relax and and I wouldn't have to go mountain biking. So <laughs> there are ways... You know, I'm a big believer that the universe or whatever you call God has ways of bringing you what you want. You don't have to say, well, if he's a hardcore athlete, that means he's off the table and I, I, I'm doomed to be in a relationship with a couch potato the rest of my life. No, there are creative ways you can make things flow. And and not every hardcore athlete wants their partner to be a hardcore athlete. Some do, but some Some don't. And interestingly enough, if they really are a hardcore athlete, then that means that they spend a lot of time invested in whatever sport it is or sports that yes. they do. So that might actually be a good fit because as someone dealing with a chronic illness, you're going to need more time for yourself. To rest, exactly. Right? So there is a possibility that it could line up such that, you know, when he's out doing his things, you have your time to do your things. Absolutely. And the biggest thing I just want to say is in terms of dating and when you bring it up and how you bring it up, I don't think there's a person on the planet who's going on a date that doesn't have some like big, dark, scary thing in the back of their mind that they feel is going to take them out of contention to be in a relationship, whether that's chronic pain, whether it's that's true. you've got a kid at home, whether it's you're not doing well financially at the moment, whether it doesn't matter. We all have the big, dark, scary thing that makes us feel like we're destined to be alone the rest of our lives. This just happens to be yours. So just do it like you would do with any other big, dark, scary thing. Get it out in the open, talk about it. And most likely it's not going to be, be as scary as you think it is. Yeah. And of course, you also know that the sooner you do that, the sooner you can find out whether or not this is a fit and move on rather than investing weeks, months, years in a relationship only to find out later on that there's Absolutely. some major incompatibility. You know, it's funny that you say that because, you know, when Selena and I knew each other for a few years before mm-hmm. we got together, and we always knew that there was sexual attraction there, but we kind of figured our lifestyles were so different that it probably wasn't a good fit for, for partnership. That's because we had these preconceived ideas in our in our heads about, you know, who the other person was. Yep. And so I it didn't have anything to do with... Um, you know, physical illness or, 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 uh, depression or anything like that. But I had parts of my lifestyle that I assumed was just, were not going to work for her, Yep. but I knew enough at least anyway, to just get all that stuff out yes. pretty early on. And I was truly amazed that every time I sort of let her into a new part of my world that I thought that she was not going to like, she was like, Oh, that's really cool. I love that too. <laughs> right. So that can, that can be like, you said everybody's got their stuff that they're holding back and you're holding back because you think the other person isn't going to like that part of you. So one, just know that there's a significant chance that they will go, oh yeah, me too. That's cool. Yes. 
And two, if they're like, whoa, no way, then you want to know that right from the start. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, the gifts that come with chronic illness, I don't, I mean, I know that's kind of an oxymoron, but you know, the, the women that I know, especially, and, and men as well who have chronic illness are some of the most resilient, um, dedicated people I've ever met. I mean, they really have the strength that it takes to live in our society under constant pain is extraordinary. I can't really describe it. And so to know that someone has that inner strength and that resiliency within them, that is a gift to bring to a relationship. That's not a detraction. Um, and so it to not think of yourself as this broken thing that's looking for someone to take care of you. No, you are a fully functioning, beautiful, worthy human being who's got gifts to bring to a relationship just like any other person does. Yeah, that's a beautiful point that you made. I, I th- and I think that is probably often overlooked. People don't realize <laughs> You know, maybe they were that strong beforehand, maybe they weren't, but but by going through that journey, if you if you stay on the journey and you, you don't check out of this world, the only way you can do that is to get stronger. Yep. That's that's the only way. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's something a lot of people don't realize is the inner strength that is really there. Okay. So that's kind of how how do you date, how do you bring it up? Let's take it to the next step now. So now you've date you're dating somebody. Mm-hmm. How do you then start to bring in the intimacy? Yes. <laughs> That's a whole other layer because I mean, again, it always comes back to communication in my book. I, I think we have this this idea that you are just going to walk into a room with someone and you're immediately going to know each other and what they like and what they don't like and what works (laughs) for them and stuff like that. And I remember watching, I forgot who it was, um, but a gay man. And he was like, man, you straight people, you really need to learn from, from gay people because that's exactly what we do when we, when we (laughs) start an encounter, it's like, what works for you? What doesn't, what do you, and we just go through an entire questions and most straight people don't, they literally just start kissing and then do things that they did with previous partners and hope it works and cross their fingers. yeah, Yeah. And it's just not, realistic. <laughs> it's just not like the, the best intimacy comes from communication. Like obviously you're not communicating the entire time, but like a little, a little in the beginning, but especially if you have chronic illness, because it's just to, it's going to save so much trouble once you go down that road. If you know from your own body that a certain position does not work for you, let your partner know so that they don't put you in that position. And now suddenly like you're not responding. So they think they're doing something wrong. And then, I mean, it's just this whole chain of pain that can be avoided from some communication early on. Yeah. Communication, huge, always huge, right? I highly recommend this in any, you know, sexual encounter or intimacy, whether you're dealing with, you know, a chronic illness or not, you got to communicate. Like, what do you like? What do you don't like? What are your yeses? What are your no's? What are your boundaries? All that kind of stuff you need to be doing. But it's even more important, obviously, in this situation. I would also say before we move on to the next one on the list, uh, to just slow down. Oh, God, yes. It's, it's something I, we didn't, neither of us put on the list, but it's coming to mind right now, which is 
just slow down. Like, don't expect that this is going to be like the last, you know, one night stand date that you went on where all of a sudden things just went from zero to 100 miles an hour. And that was that, right? That's probably not going to happen in this yes. situation. And from the female perspective, waiting for the, the white knight who knows your body perfectly, knows exactly what to do. I know you guys have talked about this. It's a fantasy. Like it is an absolute fantasy because you are your own individual. And you need to take ownership of your own pleasure and know that that's something that you need to be able to communicate with someone. And if you can't, for whatever reason, whether it's religious programming or you don't, you've never even experimented and you don't even know what you like, that's your job. You need to do that well before you can bring someone else in and expect it to be a, you know, a desirable outcome. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, next, we kind of talked about earlier in the show, which is take advantage of the right moments when they arise. Yes. So focus on good communication, slow down, take advantage of the moments when they arise. We also talked about using props or toys. Yep. That's also here. Uh, and then we have be and stay open-minded. So yeah, maybe the things that you're used to doing, the things that you've always done with previous partners before maybe they're not going to work this time. Or even with this particular partner. Yeah. Something might change. Something might, you know, This develop. is something we say with women all the time. Like from, from uh, sexual encounter to sexual encounter and sometimes moment to moment, like what was working just three minutes ago <laughs> is not working anymore. This is why in coaching men, this is why I spend so much time on what we call visual acuity and just like paying attention to all the little signs. What are her eyes doing? What do her lips look like? What's the color in her cheeks? You know, what is her vagina doing? Is it swollen? Is it not? Is it changing color? Is it, is it opening up? Is it close? Like, is she squint? All these things that can potentially be happening to get an idea of where is she at? Just being present. Yes. Instead of going on autopilot. That's the word, present. doing the thing that you always do. Because again, there might be a time where you've maybe had, you're in the middle of a lovely encounter and it's been great, but now suddenly your body is telling you, you you need to stop. Like it's done, even though no one's orgasm, no one's done it, you know, and to be able to have the, the courage to be able to say that to your partner and not have someone... Um, take that, take offense to that is huge. And again, if you're, you are the one with chronic pain, knowing yourself that you don't wait until that last second when you need to stop so that maybe you have some gas left in the tank that you can take care of your partner in another way, like through toys or whatever, so that they feel satisfied. Cause the worst thing is, you know, feeling like my partner isn't getting what they need because of me. Um, so how do you communicate and get creative so that that situation doesn't happen? Because that is a huge breeding ground for resentment. For sure. And the last one on this list is laughter and humor is important. <laughs> this is also this is also really important. You know, Selena and I used to say all the time with any sexual encounter at all to just, you know, be lighthearted about it. Like, you know, we used to tell people, don't be afraid to fail. Like, try all the crazy stuff. And if you fall over, if you hit your head, if you fall out of bed, just laugh about it and go, okay, that didn't work. What else can we try? I feel like any great sexual encounter needs to have at least one, like, (laughs) deep (laughs) guffaw belly laugh. (laughs) I mean, it's just, they're human bodies. They're just so weird. (laughs) They they make funny noises. They do strange things, you know. It's not a big deal. Everyone's does. 
former partner of mine literally would just be like, they're just bodies. It's just a body. And it, it literally, that statement just took so much judgment off of, of that I had been putting on my own body for so long. And it's just, it, we take stuff way too seriously. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. Yes, yes, we do. And not just when it comes to sex and everything else in yeah. life as and well. And again, remember, laughter, <laughs> just like orgasm, floods your body with really good chemicals that reduce pain and inflammation and things like that. So it is it is good for you to laugh. Mm-hmm. All right, so we have covered, um, let's see, uh, how to date, mm-hmm. right? Then how to start the intimacy. And then the next level after that is go back to the beginning of the show and then and then review all the stuff on how to handle when you're already in a relationship. Because, Absolutely. Because you're dating, you're intimate, now you're in a relationship, mm-hmm. now you go to kind of that step. So it kind of comes full circle yep. that way. Um, a few last quick things just to go over here. We have some additional considerations as the relationship yes. grows, right? So be open to change because this may change. Absolutely. Right? Uh, prepare for how to deal with resentments. We've kind of talked about that a little bit throughout the show already. Come up with alternative strategies for getting your needs met, Mm -hmm. something else that we also covered a little bit. And make sure to reassure your partner about your commitment. Yes. We literally started the show with that one, and we're ending the show with that one. perfect way to end it. Because it is so, so important. It is. It's as much as every human being needs that reassurance, those of us with chronic pain it's just, it's such a gift that you as a partner can give, give it. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Okay. So the last thing here is, you know, what to do if you need help with this, if you're really having a difficult time managing this, because it can be quite challenging. Let's be honest. Hopefully you've learned some skills from listening to this show, but maybe you need more support. What else can you do? Uh, I mean, you can always hire a coach. That's someone, whether you are in a group coaching or in a one-to-one, something, someone that you trust that knows what you're going through can give you some really good insights and ideas that you might not have thought of yet. Yeah. So you can hire a coach, which is a great idea, Uh, especially, you know, somebody like you, like when your coach has personal experience in the thing that they're coaching, which honestly they always should, regardless of what they're coaching, right? (laughs) But but if you can find somebody like that, like you're going to get way better than just here's what the textbooks say, here's what the psychological books say that you should do. No, here's what really works. I've had, uh, all of my partners up to date have been healthy for the most part. Um, And they have all told me, like, as much as I even, I live with you and I see you and I talk with you every day, I still do not understand what it feels like to be you, to have what you have. There's Mm -hmm. no way any of us can step in the other person's shoes truly and feel that. And so, yes, to have someone who knows what, what it is that you're going through is invaluable resource. Some other things you can do, you can seek a support group. There are support groups out there for usually more around specific conditions, right? But those are great places to go. Absolutely. And are there any other support options that people might might have other than that? I mean, truly, I always point people within because the body and is just a reflection of your mind. 
I mean, there are some things that are biologically based and, and no matter what they're genetic, like you, there's no mind body connection, but I would say the vast majority of things are connected to your, your thoughts, your spiritual beliefs, like how you are in the world. And so start diving into some of those aspects of yourself that you might have been ignoring up until this point, any personal development resources that called you any books. Um, because as you start learning more and more about yourself, your body will reflect that. Like I, I, yes, I still have chronic pain. I cannot tell you the difference between when it started and now it is night and day of me being actually able to be a productive member of society and a happy person, (laughs) you know, like it's, you can still have a very happy, fulfilling, productive life with chronic pain. And that's the thing that I tell everyone because I can't guarantee anyone that they'll ever feel better. I don't have any control over that. That's, that's them. That's their body, but I can help them become a more joyful person with the pain. Yeah. All right. Fantastic advice. Why don't you tell the listeners where they could find more from you if they were interested in potentially working with you? Yes. So um, my website is just my name, emilyshawls.com, and I'm sure you'll put a link there. There there is a link in the description. (laughs) My last name is weird. Um, And then also um, on Instagram, uh, shift.yourself is where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was a great conversation. Uh, Some really great tips in there. So if anybody is dealing with anything like this, I really hope uh, that you learned something from it. And, you know, when we do these shows, we do our best to give you as much as we can. And we know that in an hour show, we can't give you everything, right? But hopefully this kind of, kind of at least prop the door open a little bit for you to go, oh, there are other ways to handle this. There are other things that can be done. Absolutely. And so, yeah, if it's piqued your interest and this is something you're dealing with, for sure, dive in deeper and learn as much as you can about it because it, it, it doesn't have to be the end of your world or the end of your life or the end of your relationship. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for being on the show again, Emily. All right, everybody. That's all the time I have for this episode, and I will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab Podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing.